0: From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Charlotte Thomason, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we revisit an episode that aired in August with the Canadian Wildlife Federation's senior conservation biologist, Sean Brilliant, what the plight of right whales, and what can be done to help conserve this iconic Canadian species. That's coming up on Terra Informa, but first, here are some environmental headlines. October 13th, environmental and indigenous activists celebrated the wrapping up of the final arguments against the Kinder Morgan oil pipeline expansion proposal. The celebration took place around a totem pole in downtown Vancouver, as speakers such as the Tsleil-Waututh First Nations representative Reuben George gave a speech declaring that the Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion would never be built. This expansion would triple the capacity of the pipeline and increase the amount of oil tankers to the coast. The Tisle-Waututh people are a key part of protests going on as the project expansion would threaten their culture and way of life, although some other First Nations have agreed to support this expansion project. A mandatory evacuation was issued on October 25th for those in southern Alberta due to a wildfire. Helicopters had to rescue several workers and residents were forced to leave their homes behind as a fire threatened the areas along Chimney Rock Road west of Highway 22 between Highways 520 and 533 in the municipal district of Ranchland. The fire is said to be caused by high winds. Thankfully, that area of Alberta is sparsely populated, and the likelihood of a home being caught in the fire is low. In international news, the Prince of Wales used his spotlight to draw attention to threatened landscapes around the world. More specifically, Brazil's Cerrado, a forested ecosystem similar to the Amazonian rainforest. He called for greater activism on Wednesday, October 25th, in front of an international audience of government and industry, explaining that these landscapes are crucial for the biological services they provide and the biodiversity they embody. At the conference hosted by the Prince in London, quote, a group of 23 companies signed up to a new resolution to halt the destruction of the Cerrado and ensure that any future commercial exploitation of the area is sustainable and well-managed. The companies included major retailers and food groups, such as Walmart, Marks & Spencer, Sainsbury's, Carrefour, McDonald's, Nando's, Nestle, and L'Oreal, end quote. The World Wildlife Fund is preparing us for a green Halloween this year. On their website, you can find tips of how to have a more sustainable Halloween by doing things like trading costumes, eating your pumpkins, buying local goodies with minimum packaging, and making your own decorations. Visit the World Wildlife Fund website to find a complete list. on to this week's episode. If you live in Edmonton and have been to the West Edmonton Mall, you're probably familiar with the whale. You know, the one that was prolific in the 90s and caused mass dismay when it was put into storage? There was cause for celebration in 2015 when the mall reintroduced the big bronze whale into its natural habitat among bustling shoppers. This mental mall whale is a small replica of the right whale that can be found, not in a mall in Edmonton, but in the Atlantic Ocean. If you're fond of that kind of dirty but iconic mall whale, you might be sad to hear that this has been a tough year on the ocean's right whale population. Recently, the bodies of more than nine right whales have floated to the surface along the Atlantic coast. Back in August, Darren former Amanda Rooney spoke with Sean Brilliant, the Canadian Wildlife Federation's senior conservation biologist, and this is what he had to say.
1: My name is Sean Brilliant. I'm the senior conservation biologist for marine programs. I work for the Canadian Wildlife Federation. I'm based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at uh, Dalhousie University.
2: Can you tell me a little bit more about where the right whale populations kind of are?
1: So the right whale population. uh, This is a this is a very large whale, large as in fat whale that exists on the east coast of canada and eastern coast of north america uh this whale is um what they often call an urban whale because it lives so close to the shoreline it uh it comes up into canadian waters and feeds every summer in the winter it heads off pregnant females go down to florida and georgia where they give birth to their calves. and uh, the other whales we think sort of hang out somewhere in between at the singles bar but we don't exactly know where that is but uh this is the range of the animal, pretty much from Florida to, to Canada, and that's where they can be found. There are currently, current estimates are 525 animals. That's sort of the middle best estimate of how many animals there are remaining. But on the other hand, that was before this year, which was quite a catastrophic year for these animals.
2: Yeah. So, can you elaborate a little bit on why this was such a catastrophic year for the right whale population?
1: This is uh, this is quite a, a shocking and terrible situation for right whales. There are there are only just over 500 of these animals left in the world, and uh, we just happened to find somewhere between nine and eleven of them that have died in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. That were found dead in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. I say nine to eleven because of. Uh, Uh, difficulties in in terms of identifying if some of the animals were the same or not. So we're not sure. Many of the reports that you're hearing is that there are 10 animals, but um, we're still waiting for confirmation. But that's the number many people are using. But there are two others that I know of that have died in the U.S. One was just announced yesterday, actually, on on August 9th in Massachusetts. So um, already this population took a big hit this year where it looks like about 2% of the population has died in Canadian waters, and this coupled with a really small calving year. This year, only five calves were born in Florida. This is, um, this is a major blow to this animal. It's It's been on the brink of extinction for decades now, and, uh, and with 2% of the population gone in one summer, we're looking at a, a really serious situation.
2: What have the right whale populations looked like historically? Has it gone down very drastically, or has it kind of been slowly until uh, this summer?
1: Yeah, it has been increasing. Right whales, the story is, right whales are called right whales because they were the right whale to kill. And um, the reason they were the right whale to kill is, first of all, they're coastal animals, second of all, they're incredibly fat, so they have a lot of oil, which is one of the main reasons that they were hunted. And third, because they have so much fat on them, they float when they die. Because these animals were so right to kill, these animals were almost extinct before commercial whaling started in in North America. So, you know, uh, uh, smaller scale whaling operations and primitive travelers uh, would would hunt these animals, and and they were almost eliminated even before commercial whaling began. As a result, Their populations have been very small, and we really have very little information about what their sizes were, you know, prior to whaling, because they were one of the first whales that were hunted. The population has slowly been increasing as far as we can tell, but it's increasing at a rate that's far below what we would expect from any other whales. And this is what's led to a lot of the concern about its rate of recovery. We were very pleased. It was only in the 80s, really, that this population of right whales was kind of discovered in the Bay of Fundy. And it's only been in the last 30 years that we've been monitoring these animals. So um, given that they live 60 to 80, maybe even 100 years, we haven't even been watching these animals for half a lifetime. So we're still learning a lot about them. Yeah, We're still trying to figure out how big the population should be. We certainly know that the population is precarious at this point of 500 animals and at the low rate of increase that it's growing at right now
2: they quoted you um, saying that the right whales are the uh, yeah, canary
1: in the coal mine eh?
2: yeah
1: this is this is uh, this is just I mean one thing worth thinking about it's sort of unfounded but as I said right whales are the only whale that float immediately after they're killed given that we've seen say 10 dead right whales in the Gulf of St. Lawrence this year well there are many more fin whales and blue whales and humpback whales and minke whales, all of which are very large whales that live in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and these other animals, they won't float when they're killed. So perhaps the reason we're seeing so many humpbacks is simply because they float. And in fact, what does that mean for the ones that don't float after they're killed? It, it certainly raises a lot of eyebrows and a lot of questions, and, and something we need to be attentive to.
2: That's, it's hard with marine animals because you can't see them. Like, it, I yeah. mean, you'll see like caribou or something, and probably find yep. the carcasses. But mm-hmm. when things are deep under the ocean, I mean, you can't really have a good uh, look at what's going on down there.
1: You're right. When you're dealing in the ocean, things are really out of sight and out of mind. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to work hard to keep them, you know, to keep the the situation that these animals are facing—not just right whales, but all kinds of of wildlife in the ocean, um, you know, in our minds as we pay attention to these things and how we use our ocean.
2: Certainly. What are the reasons behind these drops in the population?
1: So, as I said, historically they were knocked down to very low levels. Nowadays, we don't hunt them anymore, of course, we ended that hunting decades ago. But um, nowadays, it's, I've heard some scientists point out that we probably kill more right whales now with ship strikes and entanglement, entangled in ropes and, and lines that are in the water, mostly from commercial fishing operations, but also from other operations as well. And it is likely that, uh, you know, we end up killing more whales because of these than, than before. We affect them in other ways as well, such as uh, acoustic noise in the ocean, acoustic disturbance, and perhaps pollution and so on. And there's a lot of speculation about how these factors may affect whales, but we know for sure we tend to strike and kill them with ships quite frequently, and they become entangled in fishing gear very often as well, which often leads to their death. In fact, one of the things that's interesting about these big black whales is that when they get tangled up in ropes, it leads to White scars in their body that make it very obvious to tell when an animal's been entangled, and in fact the the scar stays on the animal for some time. Mm-hmm. 83% of this population have scars on them, and at least 25% of the population have new scars every year. So about 100 of the 500 whales, give or take or more, are getting entangled every year. And then of these, a certain number of them get out by themselves, but a certain number of them receive horrific injuries and ultimately die as a result of it. Yeah. Ship strikes tend to occur more suddenly where an animal gets struck by a large ocean-going vessel and they tend to die is the understanding. Um, entanglement is a longer slower process where they end up dying and this is one of the main these are the main reasons that many of um, the scientists see as why this population is not recovering as quickly as it should.
2: Right, right, because they're so close to the coast.
1: It's probably the most industrial coastline in the world. From Florida to Canada, you're, you're covering several of the largest cities in the U.S. and certainly several of the largest naval operations and shipping ports and everything else. And uh, it receives a lot of sewage and pollution. It receives a lot of coastal activity. You know, this urban ra- whale um, has its work cut out for it, unfortunately. And all of these things we expect are sort of what's piling on top of one another and and making it difficult for this whale to recover its population.
2: Mm -hmm. What roles do whales, and maybe even specifically the right whale, uh, what role do they play within the larger (coughs) ecosystem?
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I don't really think about it so much as a role that they play, but what do they do out there? Well, they're they're kind of like deer and moose, is what they're like, these whales. Whales are well known for being sort of very in, very intelligent animals and they use acoustics to communicate and so on. But in reality, I think with right whales, these animals are large, slow-moving, mostly um, immune to predators, and they filter feed. So they swim through the ocean eating uh, little bugs in the ocean, about, about the size of a grain of rice. But they, they come to parts of the ocean, such as here in Canada where these bugs are in such high densities, they're like a thick soup in some parts of the ocean, and especially in deep parts, and the whales will dive down and feed on them. These whales do uh, communicate by sound. They don't use echolocation like killer whales or some of the hunting whales and dolphins that people can know about, but they do use sound, and they use sound to stay in touch with each other as well. But uh, they're probably more akin to sort of um, large moose and deer, except that these animals swim through the ocean swallowing enormous amounts of water and filtering it through their plates in their mouth and and living off of these, uh, you know, right grain of rice sized animals in the ocean, this is is the role that they play. The right whale in particular is quite a specialist at it and um, that's why they have such unusual shaped heads and they have some of the largest baleen, these are the plates in their mouth, they have the largest baleen of, of, relatively, of all the whales. And um, and it's because they're specialists at feeding on these types of sources of food. But rather than the role they they fill, I mean, the, this is just the way that they live in the world. And this is the way that they uh, interact with the natural world around us. Having them there uh, makes other things work well as well, and sometimes in ways that we can't even figure out. You know.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's uh, you definitely have no idea what the effects would be mm-hmm. until until it's happened. So, yeah.
1: That's exactly it's it, daunting. and then there's no going back.
2: Exactly, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's preferable to not find out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> um, what can people do to support um, conservation <clears throat> of uh, marine mammals kind of like the right whale?
1: I'm going to step backwards yeah. for a second. Canadians in particular, more than we even realize, recognize our wildlife as a part of our heritage. It's really a part of it defines that defines who we are. And, uh, and in many cases, being able to see the wildlife, although it's a treasure and it's something that's very important, it's not something that always needs to happen. For example, I've never seen a grizzly bear, and, uh, but I know they're in Canada, and I value that they're there, and I consider grizzly bears a part of my country. Not only are they a part of my country, I'm proud that they're in my country, and they're a part of who I am. Same is true of polar bears, the same is true of narwhals. I've never seen a narwhal, but I know that they live in our country, and they're a part of who we are. There are lots of people who've probably never seen right whales, um, but the fact is they are a part of who we are as Canadians, and and it's a source of pride and it's a source of definition for who who we are as well. On the other side of the coin, have you ever seen a have you ever seen a cod? For example?
2: <laughs> On my plate.
1: <laughs> On your plate, exactly right. Well, you know what? You almost could never see a cod again, right? You know the cod almost went extinct. Yeah. We, we almost fished them. To extinction. And so this is another explanation. I mean, I think wildlife, knowing that wildlife are a part of our country and a part of who we are gives us pride and defines who we are more than anything else, more than any other country, I believe. Um, but the risk of losing the wildlife is also a source of shame of Canadians. I mean, perhaps it's not as well understood or recognized in, in other parts of Canada, like Alberta and so on, but, you know, we almost fished the cod to extinction. It's still there, and it's 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 sort of holding its own. It hasn't disappeared yet. It's still in jeopardy in many places. But, um, you know, the cod collapse and the overfishing and mismanagement of cod is something that's a bit of a shame to Canadians. And uh, I think the situation would be the same with right whales. I mean, right whales are in this bad situation now in some ways because we're being a little bit careless. We're kind of like children running with knives and we don't realize what we're stabbing and what we're doing and, and and what kind of damage we're really doing to the world around us. And um, that's not the way we do things anymore. I think things have changed. I think people expect us to change. Sometimes we do damage and um, and we recognize that damage. And I think that taking responsibility for that damage is also a part of who we are as Canadians. But, but also we want to make sure that we're not making decisions Blind anymore like we used to, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, anyway, I was thinking about this, and this is what I was thinking is why why right whales are important. Even somebody in Alberta might might not have ever seen one. Maybe you'll never get to see one, but you know what? I I've never seen a grizzly bear, and I don't know if I'll ever get to see one, but I sure as hell want to know that they're they're out there, and mm-hmm. I sure as hell want good decisions made to make sure that there are grizzly bears in this country as well. And I would hope that Canadians recognize the incredible diversity of wildlife that they have on both all three coasts, and every part inland as well.
2: Our wildlife to us carries so much um, just intrinsic yeah. value.
1: I really think so. We often get confused with Americans. we compare compared to have Australians that. and the British. But you know what? Nobody, in my limited experience, I don't see anybody who has this much connection. I mean, we've, we've got caribou on our quarters and beavers on our nickels, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, it's, it's more than a bit of cutesiness. This is actually who we are. My organization also produces Hinterland Who's Who, you know, Mm. these little uh, flute-playing things. Well, we just released Right Whale this year, just uh, by coincidence. We happened to have produced it last year. And actually, as a part of Canada's 150th, we were trying to choose species that were relevant to uh, the development of Canada. So we chose cod and beaver and salmon and we also chose right whales and within that PSA if you go watch it it does talk about the role of whales in the Mi'kmaq legends and and what they are they certainly did have uh, relevance going further back than before there even was a Canada.
2: So do you think that there uh, there's hope for the future of the right whale population?
1: (laughs) I do. I'm, I'm a bit of an admitted optimist. This has been a, a really dire year. I do believe that we're improving our knowledge to understand really well how exactly we are harming the wild, right whale, and I believe that more and more there is growing interest in making sure that we make the right decisions to, to ensure that it survives. I think it's on the edge, but uh, for some reason I'm feeling confident that, that if we make the right decisions soon and now that we'll be able to uh, save this animal. If we don't, um, you know, the more shocking reality is that this thing could go extinct within our lifetime. What a terrifying thing to think that is. But, but I, I do have optimism that people and governments are very serious about wanting to save this species, and I think, I think we can act and save it.
2: So the right whales are, they're listed under the Species at Risk Act, um, so that gives them some protection. What are, what's their status?
1: They are an endangered
2: species. Endangered. Okay. That's a step in the right direction. So what do you think, what kind of actions, I guess, do you expect to be taken to kind of preserve?
1: Well, what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, Fisheries and Oceans uh, did two things immediately. First, they ended the crab fishery that was taking place in the area where the right whales were. And second, they issued a notice to commercial shipping traffic that was passing through the Gulf of St. Lawrence to ask them to voluntarily reduce their speed. These two actions, the government deserves a lot of credit for taking these actions. They are a bit reactive. Um, we'd like to see it improved so that they're acting before the problem happens. But nonetheless, we've not seen a government act this quickly or in such real way before. To close a fishery because it's in danger to a right whale is is the right idea. If we can control the deaths caused by ship strikes and and, and control or reduce the deaths caused by entanglement in fishing gear, this is where my sense of optimism dwells. And so there are more actions that are going to need to be taken. The federal government has said that they will bring all resources necessary to address this and protect this animal, which is another source of optimism. And, uh, and I expect within the next week or so, some announcements about what that might mean and how they're going to go about doing it. But um, if it's in line with the actions they've taken already, uh, it's Definitely steps in the right direction. This is, uh, this is a campaign that we've launched. It's, it's sort of related to a variety of our programs, including the work that we do with whales. We've been linking it very much to the amount of plastics that we're seeing in the ocean. Not only, as you know, that not only is there a lot of plastic litter in the ocean, but more and more we're finding plastics are being found inside of marine wildlife. Sea turtles and whales are washing up with plastic inside them. Uh, entanglements, which I've been talking about entanglements in, in ropes and lines. Of course, these are plastic, but animals can also become entangled in litter, and on the west coast there are sea lions that, that receive ghastly wounds as a result of getting entwined in, in packing straps and so mm. on. So we've we've been looking at these things, and, and we really want to try and find some ways to take some action to address this. There's two things that we're looking at. The first is this petition. One is we're looking to improve uh, the management and the the management and the waste management of, of plastic materials in Canada through a sustainable materials uh, policy and, and direction. Um, if we can bring in stronger laws that you know don't make it so easy for companies to produce and then simply throw away plastic materials and not take responsibility for their recycling or their collection, um, that's where the problem lies. If we can if we can encourage the federal government to to take action to try and put laws in place that require companies that produce plastic materials to ensure that their material that their their products are sustainable that they're collected that they're disposed of properly that they use recycled materials. we're going to see a lot more a lot pardon me a lot less plastic out there and and that's what we really need to get to the other Mm -hmm. point though the other element of this is of course we're we're looking for people to take personal action on this too and uh, we want people to become much more aware of the amount of single-use plastics in their life, and, and the term I've been using is we want to try and get people to stop frivolous use of single-use plastics, straws that you receive in restaurants that you use for a few minutes and then throw away, balloons, um, water bottles, and plastic coffee cup lids, for example. Mm-hmm. These are items that you only use a little bit for convenience, and then they're gone, but the reality is they probably outlive most of us. Uh, you know, I'm not blind to this. It is easy to be blind to it and only see the problems that are in front of us. But plastic solved a lot of problems in the world. It just so happens that we're sort of, we've gone a bit too far and, mm-hmm. and sort of begun viewing this the thing that we've designed to basically never break down and decay as something that we can just simply throw into the garbage or bury in the ground and it'll be gone.
2: Yeah, certainly, yeah. Just those little changes, are definitely important. Okay, thank well, you so much. Um no
1: anytime. Nice talking with you.
2: Yeah, thank you. You as well. Have a great evening.
1: Yeah, you too. All the best. Thanks.
2: Bye, Amanda. Bye.
0: Amanda Rooney speaking with Sean Brilliant about the Canadian right whale population. If you want to hear even more stories like that, check out our website at terrainforma.ca and while you're there look for the survey tab in the menu. We would love to get to know you, our listeners, and what you enjoy about the show. Your input can influence the content we gather over the next year. Also upon completing the survey you can enter a draw for the chance to win the opportunity to host Terra Informa like I am right now in Edmonton. If you're from another city, no problem. You can still co-host from afar. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 Territory. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet it at terrainforma. Visit us at terrainforma.ca and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks this week to our contributors, Amanda Rooney, Sydney Carbonic, Andrea Gallipan, and Jason Wong. My name is Charlotte Thomason, and I've been your host. Catch you next week.